talked about last Sunday. Anybody remember what the title of last Sunday's message was? What manner of love, and I took that from 1 John, the third chapter. If you'll go back there, I promised you, just like John, when he wrote it, he not only told us about what manner of love, but then he showed us the of opposition to that love. And that's what I want to speak on this morning, the opposition to God's love. Amen? While you're turning to 1 John, the third chapter, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity we have to come into your house, open your eternal word, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to minds and hearts and give victory, Lord, in those that are outside the realm of safety that don't have the victory you have for them. Give them that victory this hour. May it be a time of rejoicing for the saints to see someone come to the, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and yield their heart to be the servant of God you want them to be. Just bless us, we pray, in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week was what manner of love? And in 1 John, the third chapter, I want to start in verse 1 again. I'll read it one more time. It'll kind of refresh you and bring you up. I'm not going to preach on the first seven verses per se, but, uh, but we'll read it so you'll know where we're coming from. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself as even as he is pure. Whosoever commits sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Might as well not sugarcoat it. For the devil sins from the beginning, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, and he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not... Uh, Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. As, not as Cain, who was that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he do that? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. You know that we have passed from death unto life, and because we love the brethren, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. All right, so let's go back and pick up where we left off in verse 7. 
He talks to us there and he calls us little children. Now several times in this letter, John refers to the little children. Amen? Anybody got any idea why that would be? Mm -hmm. Well, let's just put it this way. John's well up in his years because this is around, they think, around the year A.D. 96. Now, I don't know when he was born, but he's probably pretty old because he was walking with Jesus when um, A.D. 33 came around, okay, and even before. So here we're looking at a guy, who knows, he's 70, maybe even 72 like me, or older, old guy. And when he looks around, you know what I see? Little children, amen, because they're all younger than me. I kind of was glad I got to eat the spaghetti yesterday because I knew it was a senior dinner. Hey, I'm a senior. Let's eat the dinner, right? Amen. So here he calls them little children. Um, several times he's called them that. It's kind of the Holy Spirit's term through John for Christians. Amen? So if you're a Christian, in God's eyes, you're a little child. Amen? Amen. Now you're going to live for a long time, but you're just starting. You're just getting on the right path now. Amen? Even if you've been serving God for 50 years or more, in eternity, that's just a little bit of time. you got a lot of growing to do yet. Amen? So do I. So he says, What manner of love hath God displayed to us to make us the sons of God was the topic of what's going on in this particular uh, portion of the chapter. He's here. He's writing to us here. And then he says, let no man deceive you. How many of you just love to be deceived? You love to be lied to? No. I don't know anybody that's ever stood up and said, man, you, I had a great time last night. We went and everybody lied one to another. Huh? Well, there are churches where that takes place, but in their mind, they don't think so. But anyway, I want you to know, he says, don't let any man, or that even goes for any woman, to deceive you. Uh, but that, what it means is, don't let them pull a trick on you. Don't let them lie to you. You know, my dad used to say, don't let them pull the wool over your eyes. Amen? Mark it down. If you're ever deceived, it's because someone lied to you and convinced you that it was okay. Amen? That's how you become deceived. If you know it's a lie, you blow it off and keep going. But man, are they slick nowadays and can tell you it's for your benefit. I love a lot of times when I hear the people from Washington saying, oh, we've got a great program, and you know what they always say? It's for the children. Listen for that when they talk. It's going to take care of the children. Yeah, well, they're robbing the children for generations to come that they're going to have to pay back the debt that they're spending in Washington. But they always want to make you feel like it's okay what they're doing, even though it's a lie. And they know it's a lie. Amen. Just off the top of your head, who's been doing that to God's little children from the beginning? Who's been lying to God's little children since A.D. 96. Who's been doing that deceiving? Anybody got an idea? The devil, holy mackerel. Wow. Well, I'm going to answer that in full detail as we move through the message. But he says in that particular verse, uh, in verse 7, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. That makes sense, don't it? Amen? Amen. 
even as he, God, is righteous. So that's how the standard is met. We're trying to be and do and get everything of God from, that God has for us into our life, in operation, moving forward, doing his will, and it will lead us into righteousness. Amen? So mark it down. Number one, if you want to be a child of God, you got to do righteousness. Number two, if you want to go to heaven after this life, you got to be a righteous individual. Number three, if you don't know what manner of love God has for you, try living without it and live in unrighteousness rather than in righteousness. Amen. You must be righteous. Case settled. End of story. No sense going any farther in that topic. You gotta be righteous. Amen. That's what Jesus said would count at the final judgment in Matthew 25. It's the last verse of that chapter if you want to write it down and read it. But here we go. We get now to verse number 8 and we're going to find out who's working in opposition to that love God wants you to enjoy. It says here in verse number 8, he that commits sins of... Ah, that rascal. Amen. He's, uh, you know, a lot of times I point out my four study words when we get to them. And uh, John here must have missed one of them because I would like to have seen the word but. There is the first word in verse number eight because he's going to show us the flip side. That's what but means. I just told you what the truth is, but here's what the devil has to offer you or the other side of the coin. Amen? So here he says, he that commits sin is a, or committeth sin is of the devil. Now the E-T-H on the end, we harp on it a lot of times or preach on it. E-T-H on the end of that word commit means continually commits, keeps on, doing it over and over. It's habitual for them to sin. Amen? So it's the same way when we read verse 4. Whosoever committeth, E-T-H, keeps on sinning, they're of the devil. Amen? We know that. Amen. By now, you should be able to tell uh, or to determine what the truth is based on how much lies you've been told, how many times you've been lied to, how many times they've tried to deceive you, and you know it didn't work. You know, a lot of times I found out things that were good for me to do because I tried the opposite, and it made matters worse. Amen. I know there are a lot of things I shouldn't do because I tried them and it didn't work. Amen. So God gave me instructions on how to do it right in his word, and that's what I want to do. So if sin's your motivation, the scripture says you're the devil. Huh, what do you think of that? Well, I want to tell you the truth about it. There's two teams. Amen. God and the righteous team and the devil and the sin team. Guess what? You get to choose which team you want to play for. How about that? You even know who's going to win the championship because you've read the last chapter of the book even though we haven't gotten there yet. You read the rest of the book and the Holy Spirit told you who's going to win. He's a pretty good prophesier if you want to prophesy of end times. He's going to tell you who gets to go to heaven and who don't. How about that stuff? That's pretty good stuff, ain't it? Now, uh, there are those that 
come to the conclusion early in life and others seem to take a little longer to realize that these two teams are in a battle against each other. But the clincher of the spiritual truth about these two teams is spelled out here in verse number 8. He says, For the devil sinneth or continually sins from the beginning. Huh, when's the beginning? Hmm, that's way back there. It's for me. Amen. He's been, he got a lot of practice on how to sin. You know why? He wants to make it look more enticing to you and I. Man, if you practice something for six or 7,000 years, you ought to get pretty good at it, shouldn't you? Well, he is pretty slick. He is pretty good. There are people that caught up in his web or his net that his, uh, he's weaving to trap you in. And when you get to that place, you'll find out that the, those two teams do have some differences about them. So first of all, the word for that he says there, for the devil sinneth from again, that means because. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. He's had a lot of practice at it. So when he keeps on sinning and he's done it from the beginning, we know where he's coming from when he comes our way. Secondly, the for or because, this is the purpose of the Son of God, the scripture says in verse 8, that he might be manifested. Now we've talked about manifested. If you read this chapter, you'll read the word manifest or manifested several times in here. But it just means to make it known. Amen. How many of you don't know that the devil still is sinning and wants to drag you down into his sinful ways? Do you know that? Anybody doesn't know that? Okay, well I just want to make sure because that's what he's trying to do. But Christ wants to make you or make it clear to you what the devil's plan for your life is. You know what it is? It's to be in opposition to the love that God gave you. Amen. That's what the devil wants to do. He just wants to give you an alternative, if you would. So now we know that from the beginning, the devil has been sinning. And the old saying is, misery loves company. Amen. So the devil's not happy just being the only one out there sinning. So his job has been over the centuries and millenniums to try to get as many others to sin along with him. Now, if you know if that you commit sin, you're going to go to hell eternally. If that's what the devil came to you with, how many of you would say, man, that sounds good to me. Anybody excited about going to hell? Well, I've never met nobody like that. But what do they do? He incrementally gives you a little taste of this, a little taste of that, and draws you a little away from the love of God and gives you his love, if you would, but it's towards your flesh, not towards your spirit. We need to get beyond the little things that the devil brings to us. The devil wants you to be miserable spiritually just like he is. Amen? Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, you can do better than that. Amen. That's what he told me. That's how come I got saved. The devil told me, you can do better than that. Amen. Four years before I got saved, January 1st, 1971. I didn't even get saved till 75. I didn't mean to tell you how old I am, but I'm an old creature. Amen. That's why I go to senior dinners. Amen. 
But in 1971, on January 1st, God showed me, you know that alcohol you drink? That's going to ruin you. Put it down and don't drink anymore. That's enough. And I promised my body that night I'd never drink another drop of alcohol. And to this date, I have not drank another anything that had alcohol in it. You can call it what you want. You can call it uh, different names or different fruit drinks or whatever. If they put alcohol in it, it's not coming down this pipe. Amen. I've got better things to do than that. Amen. But I found out then when God revealed that to me, the war was on. Now, my friends didn't like the idea that I, I told them, I ain't going there to drink with that stuff. I'm not going to act like you guys act when you do drink that stuff. I'm not going there. And the battle was on. They didn't like it. Amen. I don't know whether the Holy Spirit spoke to them or not. I know what he spoke to my heart. And that's what I wanted to stand on. Amen. I knew the war was on. And it, whichever side you sign up for, that's the side you'll end up battling in this war for. Amen. Now, of us that won a battle for the team that we felt was not going to let us have the gratitude we were seeking, we signed up for the wrong one. So if you're battling for the devil, he offers you fleshly gratitude. Here and now. We call it sin, just to make it clear. He'll give that to you today. You don't have to wait. But yeah, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to wait a while. Because God's got not done with the plan that he has for all of us. Amen? But the devil, he'll satisfy you right now. Amen? You're, you want instant gratification? The devil's your man. But if you want victory in your soul, you might want to check out the other team. Amen? But if you want to battle for the truth and righteousness, in that, God will offer you hope and peace, and joy, and John even says love, that you won't get out of the instant gratitude that the love or that the, the enemy wants to offer you and when he tries to deceive you into his, uh, the battle for his team. And not only will God give us all that, but he promises heaven eternally. That's a pretty good deal. Amen. Now you're allowed to Change teams if you want to. You see, given the options, any sane, rational thinking person would choose to be on God's team, wouldn't they? But what's the odds now? How many has the devil got following him and how many has God got following him this morning? Amen? Well, I'm going to tell you something. The battle is being set forth and it takes place right here in your mind. Amen. This is not somewhere you have to have a CCW. You don't have to have a, a loaded shotgun. You don't have to carry any weapons of any kind. It's not that kind of battle. The battle is right here. You could be going through a battle, and me or nobody else in here would even know about it. Amen? Because the devil is trying to work right in this territory. I always like to say, well, the devil's on this shoulder whispering in this ear, and the Holy Spirit's on this shoulder whispering in this ear, and the one you listen to, whose team you're going to be on and follow. But this battle is taking place in your mind. 
And if you want to have the victory that God has for you, you need to know that that battle is taking place and how you want to choose what uh, team you're battling for. Biblically, we're talking here what the Bible calls the Battle of Armageddon. Hmm. Now, how many of you have ever heard that term, the Battle of Armageddon? I can tell you, if you let the world talk to you about the Battle of Armageddon, they'll tell you how bloody, the, the blood's going to be up to the horse's bridle, and on and on and on. It don't have anything to do with guns and knives or shooting or tanks or jets or nothing else. It's a battle right here in your mind. That's the battleground the devil wants to win. God wants to put love in your mind, and the devil wants to put sin in your mind, and the one you choose is who you're going to fight for. Amen? Amen. Now, if you read it in the book of Revelation, you'll find out about the, the battle of Armageddon, and a lot of people will tell you, man, it's coming. John just said it's been happening since the beginning. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Huh. There was somebody there fighting for the mindset of Adam and Eve when there was only two. Oh, well, about that. Now we got five billion people around the world. He's still fighting just as hard. Amen. That's the way it works. Amen. History's full of people that fought this battle on both sides. We even have monuments built to show how brave they were. Amen? A lot of them fought for sin, and some of them fought for righteousness. But because of the vast following of those that want to follow God for the love that they receive from Him, and those that want to follow the devil for the instant gratification He offers their flesh, man, there's fighting going on all the time, and we're building monuments to them everywhere we look. No matter which side you want to fight on, your leader is not satisfied with the progress yet. The devil's not happy that he's got whoever he has. That, and, the, the, uh, and God's not satisfied with how many people are serving him yet. He knows there are still people out there given the options of what they have or they cannot have or whatever, given those options and a right state of mind as we present it or as we witness it to them they would probably change their mind and change the battle team amen well this battle's not over as a matter of fact it's probably getting more fierce every day the battle's probably getting hotter that's why Jesus was manifested the scripture says or made known why to destroy the works of the devil because if the devil gives false hope, false peace, false joy, false love, what are you going to have to look forward to? You're going to see right through that. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Hmm. Let me just quick, quickly turn over there. Galatians 5. Do, 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 do. It talks in the... Uh, the first part of this, verse 18 down, well, no, verse 17, uh, the lust of the flesh, what are they? And it tells you what they are, uh, reading down through verse 21. But in 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's what we're preaching on, right? Love and opposition to it. How do you get that love? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it doesn't say fruits. This is not plural. You get the whole bag or you don't get any. 
All right? If you want to make a fruit salad, this is where you start. Amen. You start with that one fruit. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are in Christ, they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh and the affections and lusts. Huh. What do you know about that? Let me finish reading it, then I'll tell you a little bit about it. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying another one, not one another. Verse 24 says, If you are Christ, you've crucified the flesh spiritually. Amen? Amen. You know what that means? It's dead. Gone. It's over with. But yet, if you pinch yourself, it'll still hurt. Amen? What's he saying? He's not saying you crucify the flesh in a literal fashion. You crucify it in a spiritual fashion. And you don't follow the lusts and desires it sets forth as it wants to go after the things the devil says is cool. Amen? You do away with them. Amen. The lusts, a lot of people think lust, and they think of something way out, you know, and usually attach something sexual to it. But when you talk about lust, he's just talking about desires. You can have a desire that's not good for you, and it has nothing to do with sex. Amen. It doesn't have anything to do with any other, per se, pattern of life that we have. It's a desire. But if it's a wrong desire, it's not going to yield righteousness in your life. Amen. So, if you're of Christ, you crucify that, split, that flesh spiritually, that shows which team you've chosen to battle with. Amen? That just shows you. Amen? Crucify means to kill it. Not literally, because that would be suicide. We're not interested in suicide. But we kill the influence it has on us, and the affections and lusts or desires that verse 25 says, since you've chosen to be on the best team, that's God's team, walk in the way the Spirit leads you for the rest of your life to victory. The one thing the devil can't never offer to you in the Spirit is victory. He can't even come close to offering that. That only comes from God. Verse 26 says, let's draw a conclusion to what we're talking about here. Don't be desirous of vainglory. What's vainglory? What's vain anything? <laughs> Meaningless. Amen. Or trifle. Amen. That's of the devil. Don't provoke one another. Amen. Have you been provoked lately? Hmm. Wonder why. Don't envy one another. Does somebody envy you? Huh, wonder why. Huh, must be because of what team you're on. Amen. You need to get these things clear in our mind because that's where the battle's going to take place. If someone has more victory in their life than you have, don't be envious. Just ask God for more. Work at it harder. Draw up a little closer. Teach me more, Lord. Amen. Don't try to drag them down to make yourself look better. That's the world's way. Amen. What we want to do is not only lift them up, but we want to be, 
where we can have as much victory as they have, if not more. Amen. Uh, just do your best to gain that level of victory and go even higher and live after the Holy Spirit's leaning in your life as you fight the battle. Okay, now, go back to our text in John 3. In verse 9, he's going to say the same thing to you as I just read to you in Galatians. Paul said it in Galatians. John's going to say it in verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. So the devil wants us and his followers to continue in sin, verse number 8 tells us. But Jesus came to stop that stuff. But in verse 9, God and his followers don't continue to sin. But they strive for righteousness as they follow God's leading in their life. Amen. Now, it's kind of important that you notice the, the words that are used here and understand them. It says he cannot sin. And then you notice that colon? That means there's something that's got to be added to that. All right? Now, I can tell you, the, the best, most righteous person you ever met has the ability to sin. He can change his mind anytime he wants to. Amen. So don't read this and say, oh, it's impossible to sin once you get saved. That's not what the Word of God teaches at all. But it is saying, if you do get the goods, guess what? You're not going to want to sin. You're not going to want to continue in sin. You're going to crucify the old life that you were living and strive to do the righteous life God wants to lead us into. So he says he cannot sin, and then there's a colon. And, and that means, and add to this, for or because his seed, Jesus, remains in him, and he cannot sin. Amen? Well, you get the option. You either get to keep Jesus or you get to keep sin. Which one are you going to take? You can't have both. You can't sin and have Jesus. You have to choose. Which one do you want? Amen? Amen? That don't mean that from time to time, even after we're born again, the devil doesn't slip up and slap us around or maybe we even trust in a good friend that we didn't know, but they were out to deceive us. Huh, we just read about that. Amen? The devil will use anybody. Amen? He'll use the, uh, the old song was, the devil with the blue dress on. Amen. Don't matter what they're dressed in. If the devil wants to use them, he will. Amen. Amen. So we need to understand that from time to time that it is still possible for you to sin, even as a child of God. So don't ever take what the devil offers you, hook, line, and sinker, and any temptation he sends, stop. Examine it. Check it out. See where it's leading before you give uh, any part of your heart towards that thing. Amen. If you don't, you're going to end up choosing the wrong things. And because of that, uh, the people that are born of God will lose a little uh, luster, so to speak. I've seen people that got down on their, their faces. It changed. 
You know, they did something they shouldn't have. And it changed their whole expression when I talked to them. But you know what? God's not done with you. Amen. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel because you're going to lose out more than you think you're going to lose. And in the end, you're going to end up where you didn't want to end up. Amen. But you need to understand that when we're walking with Christ, we're going to be what we need to be for Him. Verse 10 says, In this, in what? This. In this battle that we're in, God's team and the devil's team are going to make known how one loves righteousness and that the only one that's going to win is the one that has righteousness while the other team is seeking sin and the motivations that come from it fleshly. Amen? I'm always leery of people that all they talk about is how much money they made. That scares me. Because I know their motivations, you know, aren't what they should be. They make more than me. That's fine. They want to brag about that. That's okay. Amen. Did you know that the, the IRS said that the preaching profession is the lowest paid profession in America? How about that stuff? Huh. Well, why do those idiots do it if they ain't getting paid a lot of money? Amen. I'll tell you why. I don't want to be the president of Ford Corporation. Amen. Too much pressure for me. I had to put up with those guys that work at Ford. I can't handle that. Amen. So I'll just put up with what God calls me to do at Faith Christian Fellowship. Amen. I've seen what money can do to people. You know where there used to be a nice company out there called Sears and Roebuck. Wonder what happened to it. Well, from inside information, I can tell you, tens of millions of dollars changed hands and that company went sliding right downhill as fast as it could go. Amen. Uh, I don't know, when's the last time you shopped at Sears? Been a while probably, hasn't it? Even though they, if you would, are still in business, you got to do it online or whatever because they closed all the stores. It cost them too much to keep them open because the money went into the wrong hands and went to the wrong situations and it caused it to die out. Amen. So let's pay attention here to the last part of verse number 10. If you're not following righteousness, who are you following? I say we're following the devil. So whoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. I wrote down that he's walking in darkness. Is that a fair trade? Would you understand that if I said that? Amen. Amen. Basically, if you're walking in darkness, the Bible refers to you as blind or lost. What does blindness and being lost lead you to? Darkness in your spirit. Amen. Now, I want you to catch that because that's important that we know that. And I'm basing this not verbally from the word to word what the scripture says, but as a whole context and what the scripture says about darkness. Amen. And here we have John saying, what's the opposite of darkness? Now you are going to look at me and say light. But in this context, the opposite of that darkness is love. All right. Catch that. Now there's a whole, I've been studying and I ran across some of it. 
the word light and sometimes can mean those things that give off fluorescent or whatever you want to call it. Uh, candle power, whatever, light of that. But when you think of light and you want to apply it spiritually in what the context says, and I ran into it twice as I was reading last week in, I, in Ezekiel, and twice God told Ezekiel, light is understanding and wisdom in the things of God. That's what light is. Understanding and knowing what God wants you to be. That's light. Amen. So if you're in darkness and the understanding of God comes by you, it's not going to go by without you seeing it. Amen. You ever been in a dark room? Amen. For a couple hours and somebody turns the light on, what do you do? Turn that out. Amen. That's the way it is when you live in sin and God walks by. You wonder, what in the world? He's going to give you wisdom and understanding of how to keep that light burning in your life. Amen? So here in verse number uh, 11, it starts out with four. Again, what's that mean? Because. Because this is the message that you heard from when? From the beginning. Who was there in the beginning? The devil. And? God as the Trinity. Holy Spirit was there. Christ was there. Amen. All those things were there in the beginning. So we got to pay attention to that. If you're not following righteousness in, your, in that, you're in darkness. Amen. So we see in verse number 11, because this is the message we heard from the beginning. Beginning of what? Beginning of history? Could be. Because verse 12 uses history as an example. Cain and Abel. That's the first history lesson you'll probably ever get after the Garden of Eden. Did you know that? How about that stuff? Verse 2, it could be the beginning of your spiritual walk with God. But it was in the beginning. Could be because that's one of the first things that the fruit of the Spirit taught you when you got saved. That was your beginning. We know it's recorded in history about Cain and he killed Abel. That was front page news back 6,000 years ago. Amen? Wall Street Journal even covered it. Amen. They all knew that Cain killed Abel. It wasn't even a secret. Nobody he had to follow. I just wonder, after Cain killed his brother and snuggled up at the dinner table that evening, what did he tell mom and dad when they asked, Hey, How's come we're eating alone? Where's, the other, where's your brother? Mm -hmm. That's what he told God when God asked him. I wonder how he faced his mom and dad with the knowledge that he had just murdered his brother. Wow! Wouldn't that be a heavy dinner to swallow? Amen. Amen. So when we look at the end of verse number 12, it says, because his works... Not his sacrifice, because of his works were evil. You know what? The scripture tells me we're known by our works. Did you know you were known by your works? Not your excuses, by your works. Amen. 
you have to make sure your works line up with what I've heard people preach. Well, it was because Cain brought vegetables and Abel brought a sheep out of the flock. It had nothing to do with the sacrifice. It had to do with Cain's heart. Amen. His works manifested themselves in the life that he was trying to put forth. Uh, meanwhile, his brother's works were righteous, the scripture says. Not because of what he sacrificed, but because his spirit was in tune with God when he made the sacrifice. Amen. We have offering plates. We used to pass them around, but that got confusing and cumbersome and whatnot. And it didn't really make any difference to the offering because the people who have a heart to give to the work of God or to tithe the way the word of God says, they find the plate. You don't have to run it in front of them. It's not a, a ceremony that we have to have if, to do that. Now, if you guys start holding out on me, I'll have to, have to institute another program on that. But nonetheless, we want to understand God is in control. God can take care of all that. Amen. Abel knew what he was doing. He didn't realize that his brother was going to kill him for it because he snuck up on him and killed him. That's the way the enemy likes to do. If he's going to kill you, he's going to sneak up on you and do it. Amen? So here we find in verse 13, don't get upset if the world hates you. In reality, they would have murdered you if they thought they could have got away with it. We got laws now that you're not allowed to murder people. I don't know how much that stopped anybody because I think the, the murder rate in about every city in America has doubled in the last year or two. Yeah? Look at the statistics and you'll find that to be true. But look at Afghanistan. Used to be we could travel over there if you wanted to, get your passport, go over to Afghanistan, stay a while, do whatever you want. You better not be caught over there now. Hmm. Those guys over there carry knives big enough to cut your head off in one swing. And they know how to do it because they've had lots of practice. Amen. It's over. Move on. Amen. Now why do they do that? Because who their father is. Amen. They don't look at somebody and say, you know what, I love you so much, I'm going to cut your head off. I don't think so. They call us all kinds of names. They even call us Satan. They even call us things of the underworld, if you would. And they all do it in their religious zealot fashion of what they think you should do. So they're doing what they think they should to satisfy their God. But their God is with a small g. And he's the devil. Amen? Verse number 14. I've just got a few more minutes here. Well, maybe an hour. But nonetheless, verse 14 says, Your love or hatred motivates your works. Amen. You know you do what you do because you either love doing it or you hate it and you want to get it out of the way. One of the two. Sometimes we make this stuff a little bit more complicated than it has to be. There's only two ways. Amen. Here the writer swoops these terms to us and here it is. Because of life or death, you get to choose. Amen. Either you love your brother in life, spiritually, or you hate your brother in death, spiritually. Love or hate, life or death is the scenario John wants you to understand. See, it's really, really simple. 
for you to understand what's going on. Amen. Well, let's wrap up this portion of the reading here because I got, well, I got, I know I got two more hours, but I'll have to cut it short. Let's wrap it up in verse 15. If you hate your brother, and who is your brother? Your brother is everybody that's not you. Amen. You pick and choose who you hate. Amen. God says you're a murderer. Oh, is that what it says in verse 15? Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer? Amen. I don't want to go to the final judgment with someone else's blood on my hands. I would hate to show up that way. Amen. Amen. You're a murderer. You see, you don't have to kill someone physically to be a murderer. All you got to do is hate them. Hmm. You know why? Because hate is the opposite and the opposition to the love that God shed upon us that we could be called the children of God. Amen. That's, what, that's all he wants us to know. Amen. And then he goes on to say, no murderer. Or let's just say it this way. No one that has hate in their heart has eternal life abiding or living in them. Amen. No. Okay. Anytime, that was an amen I got from the other section. Anytime, any type of murder is what God is against. But hatred is the source that leads to murder. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what, the first person I run across today, I'm going to murder him. But people do wake up and say, you know, I hate him so much, if I see him today, I'm going to kill him. Huh, what do you think of that? Amen. It happens all around us. Amen. I don't understand why people take a gun to school and just randomly. I don't understand why they do the drive-by stuff and they don't even know where they're shooting at. They get the wrong houses and some little kid gets hit and killed. What? Huh. And they, if they find out, guess what? They're going to have to take the rap for murder. Remember back in verse number 7, he said, Little children, let no man deceive you. We said that there are people that are still trying to lie to you. And now if verse 15, we find out that those liars want to murder you. They want you to know whose team they're on. Where does all this come from? Well, the Bible says it comes from the devil. And he's been after this motive from the beginning. Turn with me to John, the 8th chapter. John 8, 44. Well, let's back up just a little bit. I want to read in John 8, 42. It says that Jesus is negotiating here or debating with the Pharisees about who their father really is. He's telling them, you're of the devil. You're of your father, the devil. Let's find out how they know that. He said, if, you were, if God were your father, you'd love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you can't hear my words. They're blind. They're deaf, they're in darkness, and everything he's saying is just like this. Right on past them, and they didn't even catch it. But what's he, he tell them? 
you're of your father the devil. I think that's pretty point blank. I, you know, how many times has somebody ever said that to you in a conversation? Huh? Well, Jesus was pretty bold with them and just said, ain't no sense uh, talking around the situation. Let's just get right to the point. You're of your father the devil and the lusts or the desires of your father you'll do. Huh. He was a murderer from the beginning. Huh. What do you think of that? And abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. He was a liar. Wow. Because there's no truth in him when he speaks, speaketh, continually speaks, it's a lie. He speaks of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. So when you're fighting for the devil's team, mark it down, you're setting yourself up to be the liar and the murderer. He's recruiting you to be in the battle that he has for us to fight. Amen. There's more to this. I, I'm cutting this a little bit short here because i got a ways to go yet. But when you're a liar and a murderer, the gig's up. We know where you stand. You can't hide it. You can't make excuses for it. You can't do anything to cover it up. Amen. It's time to make a major change in your life. Amen. But there's good news. Jesus was manifested to do away with lying and murdering and gives you the fruit of the Spirit and you just need to choose the fact that you want to be on the team that you want to fight for. Now remember, the devil has been in this business from the beginning. So he's gotten really, really good at it. So we need to be on our toes <coughs> to stand against him when he sends our way those temptations that he knows will cause us issues. See, he knows you pretty well. You might say, well, I've been saved for many years. Well, the devil's still going to try to win you over. He's still out to get you. Amen. There's no guarantee if you've been saved for 50 years that tomorrow the devil can't take you down. You better be on your toes. Or you might say, I've been in the devil's team for so long, God won't have me. Also a lie from the devil. He's out to murder you. He's out to kill you. Because that's his uh, forte, if you would. That's what he wants you to know or believe about him. Because he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. But God loves us. And he has mercy and grace for each of us that will turn our lives around. All you do need to do is make up your mind. It's time for me to change teams. I want to fight for God. I want to battle in the righteousness that God wants me to battle for. Well... I promised you last week that I would show you where the, the devil comes from, it from the beginning. How many of you know that the devil was in heaven and him and God got in a big fight? I think they were fighting over the peanuts, I'm not sure. And the devil took too many and God put on his boxing gloves and the devil got in a good left jab and the God come along and gave him a right hook and they went round and around and finally he tripped over the peanuts and God gave him one last uppercut and whoop, out of heaven he went. 
There are people that will have you believe that story. Devil never has been to heaven, and he's not ever going to go. They didn't get in some kind of fight, and God won because he had a good left hook. It had nothing to do with what's going on in heaven where God lives. Now, you have to remember, there's three heavens in the Word of God. How many of you know that? All right. There's three heavens, and we'll get into that. You have to always read the context when you see the word heaven so you'll know which one he's talking about. But turn with me to Isaiah 45. Now, this is in Old Testament. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Isaiah 45 and 7. God says, I form light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, which part of that verse does the devil from the beginning fit into? Hmm, he's not in the light, but he is in the darkness. Amen. He's not in the righteous, but he is in the evil. And God said, I created it. Huh. Well, they didn't get in a big fight and he got kicked out of heaven? Huh? Not as far as I can read in the scriptures. Amen. Now, that's what in the Old Testament. You'd say, well, that's Old Testament. We'd have to listen to that. Well, look what Colossians says about the same scenario. Colossians 1 and 6. 16. Colossians 1, 16. Sorry, Mike, didn't mean to throw you off. For by him were all things created. In heaven, how many heavens are there? Now, three. In heaven, in earth, visible and invisible. Is the devil visible or invisible? He's invisible to the naked eye. Whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, <coughs> or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Isn't that something? Even the devil was created by God, and he had a purpose for him. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. God created a devil. Otherwise, there would only be one team. Which team would you choose to be on? Well, you don't get no choice. God doesn't want you to be mind-numbed robots like Rush Limbaugh used to say. He wants you to think. He wants you to choose. He wants you to have an opportunity to do right. Because if there was no chance to do wrong, we'd just bump into each other running around in circles all day long. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, not only did God give us the ability to choose, but he sent Jesus who would have been manifested to take away the works of the devil. Amen. Now those of you that believe he got kicked out, when was he kicked out? Was it in the Garden of Eden? Well, he was there. Jesus sent 70 disciples out when they came back. He said, man, geez, we couldn't believe all the things that's going on. We even saw um, the devil fall like stars out of heaven. Was that when he got kicked out? I don't think so. Then we can go to Revelation. Maybe I will here a little bit. Revelation, 12th chapter, verse 7. said, there's a war in heaven. Huh. The devil and his angels and Michael and his angel, man, they're putting the boxing gloves on. That ain't what that means at all. Amen. That ain't got anything to do with it. 
Amen. There never was a fight physically between God and the devil in, the, in heaven. But there's always been a fight between God and the devil spiritually. That's what I referred to earlier as the Battle of Armageddon. Amen. Takes place right here. And remember, which of these three heavens is the Spirit talking about here? Let's just turn over to Revelation there, 12th chapter, real quick. I'll have to preach this another time because it's already noon, but you can read it down through here, verse 1. It said there appeared in heaven, okay? A wonder in heaven. Which heaven? You have to know that first. Okay? And then he's speaking spiritually, so you got your three choices you can have there. But now look down at verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Anybody got a hallelujah over that one? I'm glad that God prevailed. I'm glad the devil lost. Amen. So we have victory through what God has given us. Amen. But if that takes place after the church was built in A.D. 33, when this Michael and his angels fought against the dragon... And that takes place later on somewhere down the road somewhere after Christ was here. Huh. That boggles my mind because I don't know who the snake was in the garden. If, if the devil didn't get kicked out till after Jesus went to the cross. Huh. Anybody explain that? Don't try because it ain't no truth in it. That's the devil telling you that lie. See, the battle's on. It's a battle for your heart. The battle is in opposition to the love that God has for you that you might be called the child of God. Little children, as we celebrate the birth of Christ in the next few weeks, let's remember the purpose behind this birth. It was in opposition to the lying opposition that was lying about what God wants to do in your life and the lying murderer that told you that story is the devil, and he's in opposition to what God wants you to enjoy in your life. Now, that's a lot of oppositions back and forth, isn't it? Hopefully you followed me as I flopped from one opposition to the other there. But there's only two teams. So you have to choose who you want. Well, brother, dude, come on, tell me now. I know Lucifer. I saw him fall out of heaven and... You know, the word Lucifer only appears once in the, in the Bible. And a lot of people say that's the devil that got kicked out of heaven. Well, that's in the, the 14th chapter of Isaiah. You go read it. And verse 4, he said, this is a proverb we're going to take up against the king of Babylon. Amen. Isaiah was warning the people of God, the Jewish people in his daytime, God has set, pronounced judgment on you because of your evil ways. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be a king named Nebuchadnezzar come out of Babylon. He's going to destroy your whole city and take y'all captive. But guess what? He's a vessel of mine. I'm going to use him to put you guys on the right path where you need to go, get you straightened out. You see, sometimes you don't know what you're missing until it's taken away from you. Amen? You know, I can tell you right now, all those guys that Joe's sitting up there in Lebanon watching today love freedom, but they don't have it. Amen. 
because they're behind a locked door. They're not even allowed to go out. Amen? But now, if they ever get their heart straightened out and get their sentence served and get out, guess what they'll do? They'll appreciate freedom a whole lot more. Amen? And that was, I guess you'd say, if you want, God's hope in allowing Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem and straighten out the Jewish people. Okay? Now, the reason he used the name Lucifer, just in case you want to know, Isaiah prophesied this 150 years before it happens. Okay? Now, they went into Babylonian captivity in A.D. 600, I mean, B.C. 600. This prophecy of Isaiah is around 750 B.C. So 150 years before, uh, Isaiah was telling them, this is what's going to happen, folks. You don't get it straightened out. And they didn't. And it happened. And then if you want to read what happens to Lucifer, where he calls him Lucifer, and how he's drawn down, all you got to do is go over to the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel. In verse 30, it'll tell you. He walked out on the porch one day and said, look at this kingdom. Flipped his suspenders and said, man, did I do something great here in Babylon. This is all my doing. And God chopped him down just like a tree. Amen. Where did he live? Out in the wilderness. His hair grew like bird's feathers. His nails grew like bird's claws. He was a mess. Nobody could do anything with him. Until after a few years, his mind came back to him. And he went back. I guess he got a haircut and a pedicure and a manicure. Got cleaned up. And said, you know who we need to serve? Daniel's God. He's the right one. He's the one that said, I would do this, and I did it, just because how rebellious I was. Amen? So if you think Lucifer was the devil, no, that was Nebuchadnezzar. And Isaiah makes that clear in his writing. So we know that the devil's out to get you. He has a team. He wants you to join. But you don't have to. The choice is up to you to do what God wants you to do. And remember this, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Let us stand.